Hello, you amazing people out there. Welcome to the Amazing Action Comics Podcast, where we are all about independent comics. I'm your host, Angel, with Phil Pepe. Hey, everybody. How's it going? It almost feels like deja vu. All over again. <laughs> All right, kind of an inside joke, guys, but yeah, we had technical difficulties. We talked for like 10 minutes, and it wasn't recording at all. Yeah, we're professional. Uh, welcome to another episode of the Indie Comics Spotlight, where Phil and I take uh, new independent books, because there's enough mainstream stuff out there, um, and give our ten, uh, two cents on, on new stuff that's come out for this week. Um, so, yeah. And hopefully you guys enjoy it. So uh, we're going to dive right into it. This is for the week of July 21st. And I guess, uh, you know what? Let's flip the script. Why don't you start this time? I will start this time. So uh, the book I chose this week was called No Ghost in Hiroshima by Scout Comics. Now it is uh, credited, uh, created by J. Luigi Borillo, written by Jim Kruger and J. Luigi Borillo, art by Alberto Rios, colors and cover by Zach Brunner, letters by Dave Lanfear. Uh, so now I really was expecting uh, something different, I think, from this book uh, based on the title and the really striking cover. Uh, and it does reflect what's going on in the book, so the cover is a great lead-in. Uh, the art is really cool. It's very dark, very moody, uh, almost like that realistic cartoony style. Reminds me a lot of Tim Sale, if anyone's familiar with his great work. Um, and Jim Kruger, uh, you might know him for mainstream stuff. He's usually partnered with Alex Ross. He's Alex Ross's writing partner for things like Justice for DC or the Earth X series for Marvel. Now, that being said, uh, one thing that I found a little interesting about this that was a little hard to get into is that there is a lot of expository information dump. Uh, like with most good mystery stories, you have a guy who has a secret. That secret's in a briefcase. He's being hunted by these very strange characters. It turns out they're demons. And this man, it seems, has unlocked the ability to teleport or phase through solid matter. And uh, it all kind of ties into not only uh, the bombs for Hiroshima and Nagasaki, but also back into biblical times as well. So there's a real sort of uh, gods and monsters in the nuclear age that is uh, sort of uh, the, the thrust for this story. It moves at a really good pace. Uh, some of the scene transitions were a little ishy for me, uh, but it did not deplete the enjoyment of it. And as you kind of go through with this guy with the briefcase and he lands in the hospital, there's a young protege of his who is given the briefcase. He goes on the road uh, to figure out what's going on as he's listening to this guy's recordings. He picks up a uh, female friend along the way who may or may not be his girlfriend. We'll probably find out more as the story goes on. Uh, again, there's some vagaries here to help pull you through and want you to keep going. So Wait, so is it the guy that's the main, the lead, the protagonist or whatever it is, is he the one that's from biblical times as well? No, I don't think anyone's from biblical times. It's just that this doctor with, that we start off with, who's right. confessing to a priest, uh, is doing these these experiments and these studies based again off of the fat boy and little uh, fat man and little boy bombs for Hiroshima and Nagasaki, gotcha. okay. atomic bombs, and he's using that to sort of tie this into um, almost a, a concept that we've seen fairly recently in some media. Uh, nuclear explosions have opened the door to allow demons and gods and monsters gotcha. to come into our world. Gotcha. Uh, so that being said... Does it explain how he got his power? Did he get his power from the bombing? or You, you get a sense that he got it from the experiments that he was doing. Gotcha. Uh, but again, that is sort of, I think, a reveal 
to come later in the story, the exact hows and whys and whatnot. Uh, because in this audio recording that the, our, our protagonist that we now follow, the younger protege, uh, the, the guy, you know, the, the doctor who he got the briefcase from, starts to kind of explain all this stuff, says that there's a, a shard of rock that's actually from a battle between God and Satan from way back when in that briefcase. Holy and Christ. then again, how this all kind of ties into, like, the, the atomic age. Um, so really good setup, really interesting mystery, really cool, moody art with some, some dark cover uh, colors with some real nice pops of color in there. Uh, the thing that threw me by the end of this book, though, expecting, um, you know, to be continued in issue number two, but what you wind up finding out on that last page, continue the story in the No Ghosts in Hiroshima trade paperback. So ah. this is an interesting concept for me. I don't think I've ever really seen something like this. I've seen, you know, a paperback come out or a graphic novel come out, and then after the fact, they'll, like, reprint the first one. Yeah, firepower. Yeah, like firepower. You know, I've never quite seen a single-issue floppy comic come out and say, okay, for the rest of the story, get the collection. So it seems like this is basically just a preview for an original graphic novel coming out at some point in the near future uh, for No Ghosts in Hiroshima. Really interesting concept, uh, which makes me feel, though, that this as a single comic is a little lacking. And I'm almost wondering if this is actually edited down and what you get in the trade paperback, some of those scene mm. transitions I said that mm. were a little rough, mm. are there maybe pages that are going to be in the trade paperback to help with those transitions? So really cool concept, uh, kind of an interesting way to be like, okay, well, now I don't have to follow this for 6, 10, 12, however many issues. I'm just going to wait for the whole thing come out in one trade. Right. So as far as a marketing standpoint, I think it's pretty cool, and I think that really works. Um, and I think I am more apt to actually pick up the trade paperback to get the whole story in one sitting rather than wait for the month to month because I think as a first issue, uh, while there was a lot of good expository information yep. dump, it felt a little too much too fast yep. and it wasn't paced as well as I think it would have been if it was actually a serialized, okay. designed for a serialized story. But so, I would agree with you 100% is because we're looking at the page right now and the only thing that I don't see on the page is a date. There's no release date. Yeah. So if it's, it just says coming soon from Scout Comics, coming soon can be a month, two months, six months, a year down the road. You would have forgotten that you even read this book. Right, depending on how long that takes. So I, yeah, I agree with you. I think, you know, if they would have did this as sort of like a preview one shot and said, okay, it's going to come out next month, get your pre-orders in for the trade payback, I think that would have been a much better sell. I, I think they missed out on an opportunity to be able to give you more information on that. But you know, also a great way, I think, for, for retailers to gauge interest, right? On If they want to just nut up and order the, the full trade paperback, they can use it based on sales from this preview issue. Right. So that's, well, if it's in the previews. Right. <laughs> we don't know when it's coming right, right, right. out. Well, so. I'm just saying, like, if somebody, you know, if a customer comes in and grabs this off the shelf, right. you know, and then they like, oh, okay, then they'll just go to their retailer and be like, oh, whenever this comes out in trade, I want it. Yep, yep. You know, or, you know, but you don't have to commit to something monthly that, you know, might be plagued by delays or whatnot, you know. Yep. So I think it is a very interesting uh, concept on how to launch something a preview single floppy comic goes right into the trade. It's an interesting concept. I hope it works out for them. Sure. We'll see. All right. Uh, no Ghosts in Hiroshima. Scout Comics. Go check them out if you're interested. All right. Cool. All right. Moving on. So, you know, what's funny. It's prior to the technical difficulties that we had. Uh, everything that you just spoke about is what we had spoken about 
um, when we were talking to ourselves. Um, which brings us to the next book. So the next book that we have is called Dark Blood, and it's from Boom Studios, uh, written by Latoya Morgan, illustrated by Walt uh, Barna, colored by AHG, a and then lettered by Anwell Design. Um, all right, so it's funny because Phil and I were speaking about this, uh, particularly about this book, Dark Blood, um, and, you know, where No Ghost of Hiroshima gave you a one-shot and then is pushing you to the trade. When I was reading this book, I thought that this book would probably be read better in trade. Or it gave us another um, an idea, which was, I think when you're setting up worlds, especially for independent comics, especially with so much content out there, if we're reading like, you know, eight, nine, ten books uh, in a week, if there's not enough information to, you know, warrant you to coming back to pick up another issue monthly, then I think the book falls. So I think, you know, as independent, as independent creators ourselves, I think probably a, a key thing to that we could walk away with today is have maybe independent creators think about doing an, uh, an oversized, a double-sized issue, uh, a number one issue, with just more content, you know, more, more opportunity to do world building. So rather than trying to build a world in 20 or 22 pages, which is a task onto itself because you have to introduce characters, you have to introduce, you know, motives, plots, and, and move people along. Um, and at the same time, make them want to come back for more. I think 40, 44 pages is more than enough time to do that. And, you know, if you bump it up, a, a, you know, a price point of a dollar to $4.99, $5.99, whatever it is, I think it's more enticing because it's meatier, um, especially if you want people to come back. Um, now, I had mentioned that uh, Latoya Morgan was a screenwriter. Mm -hmm. um, and, and sometimes that translates sometimes really, really well. Um, and back and forth, like comic writers going to, to, to write um, for screen as well. Um, and then sometimes it just falls short. And for me, um, it's not about falling short. I just think there wasn't enough information in the book to make me say, oh, yeah, I want to come back. Um, and that's not a negative thing. That, that could just be me. Uh, someone can pick up this book and just fall in love with the story right off, right off the bat. Um, but, you know, the big positives for this book for me were definitely the, um, the colors and, and the art. I mean, it, just really beautiful to look at. Um, the tones that the, the colorist sets and the line work from the artist just really work well together um, from just facial expressions to the action sequences um, to the mood of, of each character and, and um, that just draws off the page. Um, I really enjoyed. Um, in short, the, the story itself is, is basically, uh, uh, should we call it a superhero? I guess anybody who has superpowers can be considered a superhero unless they you know become a douche and just become a villain and no longer a superhero. <laughs> But basically, we have a period piece which is set in the 50s. It's uh, about 10 years after World War II. And we have an army veteran who happens to be uh, African-American, black. Um, and he's eating at a diner. He's meeting someone there. We don't know who it is. Comes out of the diner, goes down the alley, um, and gets, uh, I don't want to say mugged, but gets approached by a gentleman who's not uh, African-American. Um, and there's, it's, there's racial tones that are there from the 1950s that are brought out into the book as well. Um, and basically, the, the gentleman that he gets approached by, the main character's name is Aldridge, gets approached by this other guy. A guy is telling him he just better know his place because um, he knows that he came back, that he's a, a veteran. Mm -hmm. That all those decorations don't mean anything when you're back home. Right. That you're less of, you know, uh, whatever you are. So, long story short, he ends up pulling a gun on him, and there's this back and forth of flashbacking, and you can see some scenes of when Aldridge was... Um, in the army, and this particular one is where he's being shot down, um, I guess, by Germans um, in his plane. Um, and right before, what you see him get shot, and then it flips back to them in the alleyway, um, and the guy 
pulls out the gun, goes to shoot him, bullet comes out, and sort of like the Matrix, all of a sudden, uh, Aldridge has these telekinesis powers where he lifts all the stuff up, stops the bullet like two inches from his uh, brain, um, and then scares the crap out of the guy who was, you know, uh, bothering him. Guy ends up running into the streets uh, like a little girl saying, oh, you're crazy, and then gets hit by another car where another gentleman comes out who is also a Caucasian color, um, sees Aldrich over the guy and says, hey, you, did you cause this? And then starts to um, threaten him by calling him the cops. Aldrich runs away. We go back to another cut scene from uh, the war, and we see the plane being shot down. The plane's almost going to hit Aldrich, and uh, one of his colleagues comes in, shoots the plane, so it misses him, but his parachute's on fire. It snaps. And all of a sudden, he blacks out, and we, he wakes up in his bed, and he has this strange marking on his back. Um, I probably didn't do it as much service as, as it deserved, but that's pretty much a snapshot of what we got from the book. Um, so it, it just, I don't know, it didn't give enough information for me to say, uh, do I really care about this guy? Um, you know, what's, there's no motivation from him. Mm -hmm. Right now, all basically that's happening is, is uh, things are happening to him. He's reacting to situations, but there isn't any understanding of what his motives are or who he is as a as a character. But when you said you would like uh, want to read as 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 one volume in a trade rather than follow the six issues. Yeah. yeah. So where it would be the like where No Ghost in Hiroshima is offering that trade, I think this is probably going to be a better read for a trade. Yeah. I think the payoff is going to come in probably three or four issues in. Um, for us who just read so much. Um, you know, I'd have to go back and read and, and remember what would read and, and, and move on from there. But uh, it's a beautiful looking book, and I'm pretty sure the story is going to be fantastic. So if you guys are interested, uh, Dark Blood by Boom Studios. Uh, check it out. Really nice artwork in there, like you said. Some very confident line work. I really like, uh, like how that book does look. Yeah, it's really nice. All right, cool. Last book is uh, called Siphon. And it's from Top Cow Studios, which is uh, an imprint under Image. Uh, I think Top Cow is owed by uh, Silvestri, right? Uh, Mark I Silvestri. That's how he did start it, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there you go. CEO. <laughs> Damn, I know my stuff. <laughs> All right. Stories by uh, Motion Ashraf, uh, written by Patrick Meany and Motion Ashraf, art by Jeff Edwards, colors by John Kalitz. Um, all right, cool. What can I say about this book? Uh, all right, let me, let me explain what my pet peeve is. Okay. So it's comics, so we can't take any, you gotta take it with a grain of salt. It, whenever there's a situation that we're, you know, we're having an argument or having a discussion about something that's in the comic world and we can't resolve it, we always end up saying one thing, it's comics. Um, and that's what it is. So when you have situations that are, I don't know, written in a somewhat realistic fashion, you know, you have people talking to each other. You have people conversating with one another. You have things happen to people. They interact. Um, and, and a lot of those interactions you can relate to as one human to another. Right. The problem I have is reactions mm -hmm. to things. So, you know, if for some reason you were walking down the street and all of a sudden were able to fly, what would be the first thing you would do? <laughs> but where would I go? That's comics. Yeah, right? You, you wouldn't question it. Right. You You'd just fly. Like, I'm flying. Not me. I'd be like, what Why the fuck is going on? <laughs> kind of thing. And so when, when that happens, when, when people are accepting, and this I'm talking about in comics, when people are accepting of the situation that they're in, or it, and they don't question it, right. 
and it's so out of the ordinary of their daily life and they just flow with it, it loses me a little bit. And I know why they do it because if you don't want to expand on this person's emotional roller coaster ride of what's happening to them. And maybe you do to some extent. Maybe spend a couple of panels of the freak out. I, I don't know. It throws me out when people just... All right, so for instance, and, and this is not me shitting on anything. This is just me expressing uh, on things that I've read. So Radiant Black. Okay. So Radiant Black, when I first read it, was this kid, and there was this little black thing in the sky mm-hmm. that was just floating there, like literally floating there. If you saw something in the middle of the street, black, glowing, floating there, what's the first thing you would do? Would Probably you... run away. <laughs> <laughs> but would you want to touch it? No, Probably not. not. No. So he just grabs it, and all of a sudden he has this suit that allows him to have all these powers and stuff like that and he just flows with it right it and it just threw me out because i would freak the fuck out right. Uh, right off the bat all right so with that being said we have the story of siphon basically you open up with this woman who i believe is sort of like uh i'll just call them mages for now because um, it doesn't clarify what they are um but basically their power is that they can siphon other people's emotion Got it. and the motion of uh Anything that makes them feel bad. So whether they're angry, depressed, or whatever it is. They siphon that from them, and they take it. So they're feeling all of that. Right. Now, what I didn't find out until the very end is that energy that they're taking in mm-hmm. makes them uh, not feel the same way they, they do, but it become they become overwhelmed with those emotions. And they have to release them. Right. And when they release them, they actually cause out harm. Gotcha. Which is pretty cool. I, I think it's a cool concept. I mean, why just siphon off just one type of emotion? I don't know, but they, they stuck with it. But so, I like that idea that it has to go somewhere. Yes. It don't just dissipate. It has to be released somewhere because, you know, like matter, this type of energy can't be created or destroyed. Right. It just gets transformed and moved around. Absolutely. And you know what? I like that concept. So it, it's you're building it up and then how it, uh, it disperses. Um, I think it's different for everyone. But basically, she's helping this guy because she sees him in the alley. She siphons him, his energy. Um, and then, as always, there's a bad guy chasing the girl or the mage. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ends up being her. She's the apprentice of this guy um, who's chasing her down because she actually wants to help people, mm-hmm. but he doesn't want her to. He wants her. To, he wants to use her for whatever reasons he has. Uh, basically, so long story short, he ends up almost killing her, so like stabbing her with some kind of magic blade. But she siphons the energy of the boy that she was trying to save in the alleyway. Um, and then she disappears and ends up by this other guy who's actually an EMT. Saves lives. Um, and it's funny because I didn't know that EMTs go through sort of like psychological training yep. to be able to read people's emotional states, yep. which is really key for their job. So it was perfect. So she found him. She ends up giving him the power um, to be able to siphon. And then... I, this is where it kind of loses me because it goes from one, him, you know, helping this guy, him getting the power, and then all of a sudden being able to use the power through a bunch of panels. With like, no training. No training, yeah. nothing. So some, Instinctually, he knows. It, it just happened from one page to the next. So I don't know if there was a page missing. I literally went back and forth <laughs> like six times and, and thought that there was a page missing. And there could be a page missing that had that portion of it in it, but I, I couldn't find it. So, basically, it just jumps to that where he meets a girl. And then, so, right from here, look. So, and I know you guys can't see it, but I'm showing Phil. So, he's talking to this girl um, because he took her emotion uh, that she was feeling bad. So, this is the first time he actually uses the power. He didn't know that he even had it. Has it. And then he just sits down and talks to her. 
He has no idea what's going on or what happened. But then he just sits down talking to her. She is kind of hot, so I get it. Um, and then right from their meeting, it goes right into him using the power to on other people, which which was really weird. Um, yeah. And so basically it ends where the bad guy who actually killed the first mage at the very beginning um, finds the uh, EMT guy who has the siphon power and is going to say that he wants to train him as his apprentice. Um, yeah. Okay. So art-wise, you know, another good-looking book. Yeah. The, the panels are really easy to read. The colors uh, is, is fine. It works with this book. I didn't have a problem with it at all. I actually liked it. Um, you know, these tones of, you know, purple and hue and stuff like that for the magic work really, really well. Um, just for me, story-wise, those, those plot points where I just... For me, it's pacing. Mm -hmm. So if you have a really good pace in the beginning and it started off really well and all of a sudden it goes from like zero to 100 in one panel right. and then tries to go back a little bit, it, it throws me off. And I get it. Issue number one, 20 to 22 pages, but this is what we spoke about. If this person had, you know, 40 pages to work this out, I bet you it would have been a more cohesive and, you know, you could have stretched out a little bit of that emotional reaction mm -hmm. to something that, you're not going to come across. Like, if I could siphon someone's fucking bad energy juju and it's building up inside me and it's making me feel like all these different things, that I think that would be really cool to draw yeah. and kind of really cool to tell. And then at the very end, having that be able to disperse and whether or not there's repercussions to that, if it affects someone else, what does it do to you? Does it deplete you? Whatever it else um, would have been cool. So there's some really good stuff here in, in siphon. Um, and I'm pretty sure it's going to get worked out on the next couple issues. But for me, it's, it's another trade. Okay. So I'll wait for the trade to come out, and I bet you when I read it in full five or six issues, I think it's just going gonna, it's gonna to click. Yeah. You know, you touched on something there about how the immediacy with which this character was able to utilize his powers and kind of have an understanding of what's going on. Um, and I think in all three of these, I think one of the things that kept jumping in my head was, you know, character building, right? Uh, when you read something or when I read something, you know, you kind of try to put yourself in the role of the lead character and you know you almost want to find out the answers as they find them out uh and, and in your mind i'm like is this what i would do in that situation or not and you, whether you agree with the character's actions or not you know that's up to you as the reader and so when there is a, a bit of a lack of discovery mm. because you're discovering all this for the first time and if the same character that you're reading about is this for the first time as well you kind of want to go along that ride for that person seems like this acceptance of the powers and the understanding of the powers right away was a little too soon because you as the reader felt like you were still a couple pages behind yep, where yep, this yep. guy was in the story. I think I think you hit the nail on the head. And I think if you're doing a, a traditional comic book hero, I think it works. So if you're doing sort of like a Spider-Man, mm -hmm. boom, it works. Right. Just because it's, it's, it's written that way. But I think when you're doing something that no one knows, right. um, I, I think taking them along that journey is is important um especially if you want them to be invested in the character right. because now there there isn't any investment i don't really know who this person is um i don't know who he was before the powers because there wasn't enough time and i i think that just comes down to the amount of pages you have um and like i said i think if they just had a little bit more time with it which is you know another 20 more pages then i think it would have flushed out a lot neater and i would have been like oh then i would have bought another issue after that but i think i'm gonna have to wait for the trade and then let it flush out within the six issues that, it, that it's probably going to flush itself out. And the difference between uh, Siphon, uh, main character, and No Ghost and Hiroshima main character, and the Dark Blood main character, feels like Dark Blood and No Ghost 
um, you are very much along the ride with the mystery with these protagonists. You're you're discovering things as they discover them in No Ghost in Hiroshima, or with Dark Blood. You know, this guy has a secret, and you're getting keys into his past as it's progressing. Yeah. So you're kind of there every step of the way with them on this journey. Whereas again with Siphon, it was just like, bang, go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what well, was it's not bad. I mean, yeah. if that's if that's your thing, then this would be a perfect book for you. Absolutely. So Siphon from Top Cow. Uh, under image uh check them out uh, i think you guys will enjoy it all right cool all right so that brings us to hey phil where yeah. do you get your comics from well i get my comics at the joker's child in Fairlawn, new jersey 12-23 river road uh every week we get new books in some wonderful first issues from Indica independent comics and of course your tried and trues you know true blue superman batman spider-man hulk we got it all at the joker's child i, I love that you give the address and there goes the phone uh, you can go grab it. Uh, I love that you give the address, like the person from Chile is going to come visit us. Um, all right, cool. Yeah, so if, if you're not in the neighborhood, then definitely go and visit uh, your local comic shop and support them. Um, and uh, visit AmazingActionComics.com um, as we have a wonderful Kickstarter that's coming out uh, shortly uh, that we'd love to share with you guys, AmazingActionComics.com. Until next time, be amazing, stay amazing, and read something amazing.